Welcome to Everything Scary. My name is Lynn, and I'm here with my sister Haley. My interests consist of everything true crime, but Haley, not so much. She signed on here to be with me and let me hurl true crime facts at her. And every week, my goal is for her not to walk out on me. I hope you like what you hear, and if so, please leave a five-star rating. And if you don't, thank you for your time. Here we go. Okay. So this one is the one of your nightmares. Um, the Travis the Chimp. The okay, can I explain to you before you start your story why? I wish you would, because I don't know why we... we Okay, so this is a recent fear of mine. Um, I'm afraid of chimps now. And I love animals, all animals. And, you know, you know logically that chimps are strong and they're wild animals and that they would probably kill you if you ever ran into one in, in the wild. But you're used to seeing, like, chimps in movies where they're like cute and you give them a banana and they're like and and, and the chimps in movies are typically babies they're, yeah, they're because they yeah. don't they don't do well when they become and they're adults. adorable like they i would adorable. i would love to be able to like you know interact with a chimp but i recently saw a movie i won't say which movie so i don't spoil it for anybody but um in the movie there was a scene and it was a flashback of a, a man who had been a child star in like a tv show and it was him alongside with a chimp that they had trained to like star in the show and it all of a sudden this balloon pops and the chimp just loses its mind and starts just beating the shit out of one of the women in the show. And so this child star just goes and hides under a table while this chimp's just like brutally beating this woman to death. Okay. Is that why I ended up telling you the story? Yes. Yes. Okay, this is what happened. This was on our way. We were driving here to come do a podcast and we were talking about it. And, um, and so he like brutally beats this woman. He's like covered in her blood and like, just, you know, he's, you see him kind of walk off and like sit next to her, mm-hmm. next to her and her foot twitches and he sees she's still alive. So he goes back in and starts beating her again. And then this man comes down. I think the man's coming to try and get the kid out and like, you know, get the kid out of there. And the chimp sees him and he he's saying like, no, I forget what the chimp's name was in the movie, but he's like, Doesn't no, matter. no, no, like, don't, like, it's okay, calm down. And the chimp chases him off into a room and you just hear him beating oh the man. God. And then he comes and it's like, the scene is so traumatic for me. Like he comes and he sits and he's like in right, right across from the kid and the kid's just staring, like sitting there staring at him. This chimp's covered in people's blood. And like you see him, he's just like kind of looking around and he like shakes the woman's foot that he had just killed. And like he's just kind of sitting there and he doesn't realize what's going on. And then he sees the kid and you see him just slowly go towards this kid. And in the this thing, their thing is to bump each other, like their fists like bump pounding. each other. Yeah. yeah. And so you just see this bloody chimp fist slowly coming in and the kid's Yikes. going in to bump him and then they shoot the chimp in the no. head okay. yeah I, I, so it and for me it's because it's like you see like monsters and you see like serial killers and stuff and you expect that from them but it's like for me animals are like cute and it's like as long as you let, leave them in their habitat they're adorable exactly right. like you just leave them alone and they're just beautiful creatures you know but then people mess with them mm-hmm. and then this kind of stuff happens and they're a, a monster to blame. you know yeah. like and people blame them and they get shot in the head for it and it's like it was just I know it's just a scene in a movie and it wasn't real, but it was like, for me, I, I kept talking to it about like, I kept bringing it up to people and my <laughs> husband's like, you're really like messed up about this. And now I'm like, now I see it. It looks like you're going to cry right now. <laughs> I, I, I don't like animal stuff. You know, it's like for, hu- I, you know, obviously it's tragic when anything happens with humans, but like it's, I don't know. It's just people messing with, with nature and it's I not think their fault. In the, intro to this podcast you've collectively 
spoke more of your opinion than you have in all of the other I just episodes. wanted to get this story out before we start why <laughs> this is so traumatic for me because you told me some of the stuff that happened with this story and so I'm briefed on it and I know the basis of it and it's like it it hurts me to hear this you know so oh, anyways well good I'm glad I'm gonna tell it yeah to you just traumatize me a little bit more you know and I also have my Perfect. baby here I want her to be raised hearing traumatic stuff yeah in afraid our of chance so Perfect. that she knows the world is a scary place too, so <laughs> So anyways, carry on. Let's start the story. You know what? I feel great telling the story now. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, it's okay. I'm already messed up. Okay. So uh, yeah, this is the story of Travis the Chimp. And uh, it starts off in 1968. Sandra Bella was a single mother to a four-year-old daughter, Suzanne. She was only 30 years old. And unfortunately for Sandra, her second marriage had just failed. Sandra was struggling financially. It was hard to be a single parent, but as luck would have it, Sandy met a man shortly after becoming single. His name was Jerome Harold, but everybody called him Jerry. The two hit it off. Unfortunately, Jerry, too, was not in the best position financially. So the couple, along with small Susan, moved in with Sandy's parents and tried to get their feet off the ground. The couple married, now making her Sandy Harold. And get their feet off the ground is exactly what they did. The couple had a few businesses, but no more successful than their tow truck company and their auto repair shop. In fact, the businesses did so well that not only were they financially stable, it is said that they were self-made millionaires. Jerry adopted Sue, and they were a happy family. The end. (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, When Sandy was a child, she had a true love for all animals, and in particular, she loved horses. And Jerry, as it turned out, was a horse lover himself. And now that they had some spending money, they decided to go and get a few horses. They would enter racing competitions, rodeos, and barrel racing. In fact, it was at Loretta Lynn's Traveling Rodeo in 1971 where the couple met 18-year-old Charla Nash, who went by Charlie. Charlie and Sandy struck up an instant friendship and would often attend horse events together. Uh, When Charlie was a teenager, at 17, she left home so that she could follow traveling rodeos all over the country. So that's passion. That's commitment. As Sandy's daughter Susan got older, she too took a shining to the horses and was now taking part in racing competitions and barrel racing. At one such event, Sandy and Charlie saw a chimpanzee riding a horse dressed up like a cowboy. Not in his natural environment, clearly. (laughs) So Sandy did exactly, well, in my notes, what I have written, and it's in contrast to what you just told me, but before you saw that movie, I think you would have done exactly what Sandy did. (laughs) And she set off to find the chimp so that she could meet this adorable creature. (laughs) See... I I need to cut you off there because it's like, yeah, it would be cool to have a monkey, but it's like, I know logically that that's a wild animal. You know, it's different to have a dog and a cat because those are domestic animals. For thousands of years. Yeah, exactly. So those, those animals, and even, even then, you know, if you, there's still stuff that happens with you just domestic never animals. I always too, tell my kids so. not to put their face near a dog, even exactly. if it's the nicest you dog You can in the never world. be too safe with any kind of animal. And even if it's like, you know, it's like I trust my dog around my baby, but like there's still instances where stuff like that goes on. You never know, too. right? So when it comes to wild animals, you have to realize that that's not, you're not meant to have them in your house. But, but, <laughs> but he, he was wearing a cowboy outfit. It, and that would be adorable. <laughs> like I, it would be so hard to resist, but like you, you gotta be. You got to be careful with this kind of stuff, you know? Fair. Okay. Uh, She found him backstage and she proceeded to give him gummy bears that she had pulled out of her pocket. I do have some questions about the gummy bear pockets. (laughs) I'm not one to... I have food all over the place because of my kids, but I just feel like they'd be a little bit fuzzy and... 
Whatever. Yeah. She had gummy bears in her pocket. Uh, <laughs> later on during the show, the chimp was riding a horse. And when he saw Sandy in the audience, he hopped off the horse and ran full speed towards her and jumped into her arms. Aww. Gummy bears will do that. Yeah. Yeah, it's the sugar. <laughs> so Sandy and Jerry's businesses were growing and they were absolutely living their best lives. Sandy and her daughter Sue did everything together. They rode horses together. They worked together. They even line danced together. What more could you ask for in a mother-daughter relationship? Nothing. <laughs> no, that's it. It's all I've ever asked for, and I never got it. <laughs> well, those happy times were about to end. Sue had met and married one of the employees at the auto repair shop that her parents owned, and when they married, they moved hours away from her parents' home. Sandy was heartbroken. Soon after Sue left, Sandy's parents individually fell sick and passed soon after. She was devastated. She had almost lost everyone. It was just her and Jerry left to run their once-bustling household and businesses. Feeling hopeless and lonely, Sandy remembered the sweet chimp that she had met all those years ago, and she decided to look, look into how she could own one of her own. Sandy ended up finding a chimpanzee sanctuary called Missouri Primate Foundation. It was operated by a woman named Connie Casey and her husband, Mike. I'm going to stick a pin in this sanctuary, um, and I'm going to circle back because there's a lot more that I have to say about the Missouri Primate Foundation. There's a lot of problematic things that go on in, in this uh, sanctuary. So Connie agreed to sell Sandy a baby chimp for $50,000, to which Sandy agreed. On October 21st, 1995, Connie called Sandy and said, your baby has arrived and it's a boy. Three and a half week old baby boy chimp was born and Sandy hopped on a plane and was soon standing in Connie's living room with the swaddled infant, who she named Travis Tripp after her favorite country singer. All the while, Travis's mom, Susie, lay in her cage, shot with a tranquilizer dart in order for Connie to safely take the baby away from the new mother. It does not state anywhere that Sandy was aware of the conditions in which the mom and baby had been separated, but either way, she was absolutely over the moon with her new addition. And by all accounts, once back home in Connecticut, Travis was absolutely spoiled and wanted for nothing. As an infant, he was fed and burped just as we would a human child. He grew and Travis began to scoot and then he began to crawl using his knuckles. He had his own crib. He was potty trained and Jerry and Sandy would even bathe with young Travis. That's a little weird. That's a little weird. <laughs> Uh, Sandy and Jerry even designed an amazing caged-in room for Travis in the back of the house. His room had sliding doors that led outside to a big, beautiful enclosure. There were ropes and tire swings. He even had a mattress on the floor of their room, if Travis didn't want to sleep in his own room. But it's noted that he mainly slept in bed with Jerry and Sandy. Travis always came to work with them at the tow yard, and they had a large playroom above the garage for him to play in. He was funny and engaging, and everyone loved him. People constantly wanted to take pictures with Travis. Kids, babies posed with him. Some mothers would even ask the chimpanzee to hold their baby while they took a picture. Oh, my God. Yeah. I would never. Well, at this point, he was, he was relatively young. So he was like, uh, like two and a half feet kind of thing, like a little guy. But they do get bigger. Still. Mm -hmm. That's a wild animal. I would never put my baby in a wild animal's arms. I'm no, sorry. I don't blame you. Uh, Travis had quite an affinity for the police officers. Nearly everyone on the force had been photographed with him, uh, holding him at, at one point or another. Sadly, Sandy's daughter, Sue, was having a tough time with her marriage and ended things and moved back home with her young son, Tyler, to live with Sandy and Jerry and Travis. Travis took a real shine to young Tyler. He would play very gently with him, and the two would sit side by side, and Travis would stroke Tyler's hair. Travis ate all of his meals with the family, and he was able to use utensils, uh, which I can say from personal experience, some adult humans have yet to master that. <laughs> I don't know who you're talking Not about. Not pointing any fingers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> also like that same person that I'm not naming. He loved a good cut of steak and some surf and turf. <laughs> he had a sweet tooth and would often succeed in getting Sandy to buy him ice cream from the ice cream truck whenever it came around. And when it came time for a drink, Travis would swing his body up onto the counter and pour himself a glass of juice or pop. When Travis was five, Sandy's daughter Sue had met a man and found love again, which sadly resulted in her and her son moving away to be with the new man. Travis was so upset to be losing his little buddy Tyler. Sandy again was devastated, but the two kept in close contact, and Sue ended up having two more children, a boy named Andrew, after her husband, and a little girl named Nicole Lini. Sue would often make the nine-hour drive out to see the family, but on one night, September 22nd of 2000, after leaving her parents' home, it is presumed that Sue nodded off on the long ride home and veered off the road. Uh, she hit a tree head-on, and thankfully the baby girl that was strapped in the car seat with her was safe, but Sue had been ejected from the car and did not survive. She was 38 at the time. Sandy was understandably devastated, and she ended up making such a scene at her daughter's funeral that she angrily pointed at Susan's husband and yelled, that's a bastard. If it wasn't for him, my daughter would be alive. Just because she moved all the way out there and had to make that commute. It was a nine-hour commute. Did I say that? I don't think so. Yeah, it was a nine-hour commute. Uh, after Susan's death, Sandy really fell apart. She was depressed and angry. She even lost touch with all of her grandkids. She just couldn't bear to see them and make the connection between them and her daughter. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It was too painful for her to speak with them. She distanced herself from all of her friends and basically only had contact with Jerry and Travis. One night, Jerry was enjoying his nightly glass of wine. Travis came up to him and expressed an interest in the drink. You hate this, eh? I, I like why. You know, you, you're already playing w- playing with your odds, like having a wild animal in your house, and then you're gonna start giving them wine too. Like, yeah, yeah. Nah. And I mean, like, do we know enough about their? I know they do share. They don't know enough, obviously, that they they got themselves in this situation to begin. Like, with dogs can't have grapes. Do Somebody research. had to figure that one out, right? Yeah. So when do we start giving chimps wine? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Jerry allowed Travis to have a sip, and Travis loved it. And I mean, it's the same. I get it. So <laughs> whatever. Um, but from that point on, every night, Travis and Jerry would enjoy a glass of wine together. It was a type of bonding routine that they had. The, the two would share a glass and they would clink and Jerry would say cheers. So in October of 2003, Travis was now eight. The three family members were rooting for the Yan- Yankees to win the World Series and had sat down to watch the game. In the middle of the game, for whatever reason, they decided that they needed to do something at the toe shop. While the family was stopped at an intersection, Travis was buckled in the back seat with his window half open. Some pedestrian threw a half-full bottle of pop into the window. Travis grunted, undid his belt, and exited the vehicle. Travis charged at the person who he thought had thrown the bottle, but not violent, more like menacing, to scare him. Like, he didn't touch him. He just ran up and then stopped right in front of him. Um, he be- and then he began rolling around in the street, all the while Sandy and Jerry are trying to coax the chimp back into the car. Soon a crowd gathered. He was creating quite the spectacle. Sandy and Jerry would offer him treats, and he would come back just long enough to get the treat and then would run right back out into the intersection. And there's your first red flag. <laughs> yes. Um, he was jumping onto people's cars. He was rushing certain groups of people. He had very literally closed down the entire intersection for over two hours. Finally, he just pooped himself out, and he got back in the car, buckled himself up, and he was ready to go. Like, nobody <laughs> was responsible for getting him in the car except for him. <laughs> No charges were laid because, as I said before, Travis loved the police and they loved him too. 
Travis was, however, grounded when they got home. And there was a new law that was put into place uh, stating that you have to have a permit to own such an animal as a chimp. But it actually turned out that it didn't even apply to Travis, even though his actions were the ones that made the law be put into place. Why? (laughs) I don't know, because they loved him. He's Travis. But everyone in town knew him, and they knew he wasn't dangerous. He was simply being silly and playful. However, (laughs) Stanford's animal control officer did not find it funny. He told Sandy, adult males in the wild have sex up to 50 times a day. Good grief. Okay, but this is where doing research about an animal before you take it in and treat it like a baby. Like, it's... It's crucial to have all this information before you decide to bring. So I can. You think I I should own one now? Yeah, I have all this information right in front of me. (laughs) Yeah, just be prepared for something traumatic to happen to your family. (laughs) Problem is, I don't share wine, so that wouldn't work out for me. (laughs) That was the problem. That was the only issue there was the wine. That is the one thing that's going to stop me from owning a chimp. If only. Um, If. So if they don't have sex 50 times a day, they can become aggressive and that Sandy is taking a huge risk in continuing to keep Travis. Sandy seemed receptive to what was being said, but ultimately ignored it. Travis wasn't dangerous, right? Everybody loved him. You're upsetting my baby. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Peyton. (laughs) Travis was literally a local celebrity. He had been in Pepsi commercials, Old Navy commercials, and he even went on the Maury Povich show. But now I would like to go back to Travis's biological parents and the sanctuary from which he came. Travis's mother was named Susie, and she was a retired zoo performer uh, when she was taken in by Connie Casey, the owner of Missouri Primate Foundation. Her sole purpose was to produce babies that were to be sold for $50,000 apiece. So the whole first half of their life, she was imprisoned by a zoo, and the second half, she was being forced to have babies only to have them taken away from her after she was tranquilized. That's disgusting. Yes. Travis's father was named Coco, and he was actually very literally a wild animal. He was captured in Africa, and Connie had purchased him for $12,000. Chimpanzees are pregnant for eight months, and their babies are also called infants, much like humans. After a chimp has a baby, they have to wait five to six years until they're able to get pregnant again. Uh, If that were the same for humans, I wouldn't have a six, five, and (laughs) (laughs) three-year-old. Um, When chimps are babies, they're very close to their mothers. They also show an affinity to blood relatives. Uh, Chimpanzees have more than a 95% matching DNA to human beings. It it is actually 99 is what they have, um, making them our closest living relatives. Chimpanzees usually breastfeed their young until they're about five years old. And even after weaning the young chimps, they are still typically, they typically stick together until they're young adults and about ready to start their own families. Now, do these people know any of this when they decide to take on a chimp as their child? Like, do they I don't have- think so. I think she saw the cowboy thing and she had $50,000. I think those were the two things yeah. that she needed. Yeah. Don't do your research before you get animals, people. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and you know what? Like, not to veer off of my notes or the story or anything, but you know that I took in our dog when she was two and a half weeks old because she was an outdoor farm dog and she, her siblings were freezing to death. Um, and that being said, like, she, God love her, but she's a mental case. She you she, saved her life. but I did I save mean, her life, I but mean, she lacks she, yeah. the weaning that her mother would have given her, like, you know, yeah. uh, the, the discipline. Because they do have certain things that they do to teach their, their babies how to behave. And Poppy does not 
have any of those qualities. But if you had the option to let her stay with her mom, the she wouldn't have made. Time. Yeah, no, yeah. I didn't. I didn't yeah, take her. Exactly. To hurt like her. that was a life or death situation. But I mean, like everybody knows that puppies need to stay with their mom for a certain amount of time to get what they need. And right? now she so. just thinks she's the least favorite of my children and just will eat off my table and like doesn't care. She <laughs> sleeps on my pillow. Doesn't the, the house is hers. <laughs> but anyways, um, it's actually more important for the male chimps to stay close to their mothers than it is for females. Uh, in the February of 2020 edition of Behavioral and Sociobiology, a magazine that I clearly subscribe to, um, <laughs> they state that in a recent study uh, that was followed for over 50 years, in male chimpanzees that stay with their mother during the teenage years had better odds of surviving later in life, more than the ones who had lost their moms before puberty. That same study shows that females were fine either way. They could take their moms or leave them. Uh, either way, they'd figure it out. And you can just hear like a teenage chimp being like, I can take you and leave you. <laughs> I'm going out. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> uh, chimps will even turn to their mothers when they get in fights with other chimps. Like if they're out with a peer group and they get into a, a scrap, they'll go home and tell their mom about it. Aww. Yeah. Uh, so all that is just to show you that chimpanzees are so similar to us um, and how much it would have benefited Travis to stay with his mom. At very least, she shouldn't have been tranquilized when Travis was three and a half weeks old and have her baby stolen from her. <sighs> I know. Sorry. This is like the most reaction I've ever gotten out of you. I'm like yeah, last it, week. I'm like, oh, yeah, this guy died me. and the, 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 he killed a family. And you're like, that's that's too bad. And I'm like, Travis's mother was tranquilized. And you're like, I've, I got to go. I sound <laughs> like I don't care about humans. I do. It's just that, you know, some people are. We really... did this to them. That's why. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. People are just ignorant. And because animals can't speak up and say like, hey, don't do that. You know, we just think that they're ours to take if we want. Yeah, them, you for know? sure. So uh, this facility was also cited many times for unhygienic issues and safety concerns. Some of the chimps either presented as overweight or underweight. On three occasions, uh, they had chimpanzees escape, one time actually involving Travis's parents, Susie, Coco, and one of their chimp friends. They made their way out of the sanctuary and into a nearby subdivision. A young man named Jason Coates was pulling into his driveway with friends in his vehicle when the three chimps surrounded the car oh. and started baring their teeth and rocking the car back and forth all while circling the vehicle. Oh, God. When Jason saw an opportunity, he ran inside and got a shotgun. When he came back out with the gun, Connie had already arrived, so the owner of the, the um, sanctuary, um, and she had already tranquilized the chimps. At this time, Susie was in a kind of drunken state, and she was sitting at the end of the lawn just stroking the grass with her fingers. Uh, Connie begged Jason not to shoot, but still overcome with the sheer terror of the things that just had happened to him, he shot Susie three times, and she died soon after. Jason would ultimately serve one month behind bars for property damage and animal abuse. This woman who did this to these chimps should be the one that went behind bars because... You're exactly she, right. Oh, it just, it's upsetting, you know? These poor animals. So PETA, you know PETA. Yeah. The fine people from PETA. Uh, they, shout out to PETA. <laughs> yeah, shout outs. <laughs> PETA states that the chimps were being mistreated. There was excessive trash and fecal matter in their enclosures, and Connie was running uh, the sanctuary with the amount that she was receiving from social services at this point. Uh, they had published an article in August of 2021, so just last year, describing the victory that they felt having rescued six chimpanzees—sorry, six chimpanzees—from the Missouri Primate Foundation and ultimately having it closed down permanently. 
It was also documented that Connie's ex-husband, Mike, used to punch the chimpanzees. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Sorry. Show me where this guy lives. <laughs> <laughs> they would have their babies stolen regularly, sometimes as young as three days old. Um, one chimp, this is a sad one, uh, Tammy awoke to find her baby gone, and she went ballistic. She started throwing things around her enclosure, looking through all of her bedding in sheer panic, trying to find her little one. That I'm killing her. you right now, You're aren't I? You're killing me. This is the worst one yet. Like, it's the poor chimps. I'm man. sorry. I'm so sorry. And I'm afraid of them, but it's not their fault, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, chimps. Okay. You're listening. <laughs> <laughs> this, this place was a torture chamber for chimps. Uh, so that gives you a little understanding of possibly why Travis ended up the way that he did. Like, he was taken away at a very young age, but, uh, you know, for us, babies in utero are affected by their moms, the way, the stress that they're under. You know what I mean? So if Travis's mom, Susie, was just in a constant state of terror, you know, fear and upset, then like maybe that had something to do with Travis's, who he became. Yeah, definitely. We don't realize like how much stuff affects, not only chimps, but people, you know, Mm -hmm. you don't realize that like, you know, stuff that happens to you as a baby, you don't realize, but it affects you as an adult. So it's like... 100%. 100%. And and even like he, not knowingly of course, but he missed out on all of those benefits that he would have got from his mom had he been left with her. Yeah. Um yeah. but so all of that awfulness, I wanted to tell you a little bit of a cute story. So this was published in the New York Magazine. Uh, it says one night at dinner, Sandy, Jerry and Travis were sitting at the dinner table and Travis was sulking. He sulked a lot. Um, for one reason or another, and he had his back to Jerry. So it was like Jerry and Travis were sitting beside each other. Sandy was sitting on the other side, and Travis was facing the wall just being a grump. Uh, Jerry had just on, undergone some dental surgery, and he said to Travis, Daddy got his tooth fixed today, look. And Travis huffed and refused to look, and Sandy urged him and said, Come on, Trav, look at Daddy's new tooth. And Travis crankily That's turned such around. a weird thing to like, look at my tooth. I know, you know, That's I thought so like having toddlers, you, I, you would talk to them like that. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. That's no. not something I feel like. <laughs> Anyways. Peyton, look. I, I cleaned this. I finally got that piece of meat out of my teeth last <laughs> night. It's amazing. <laughs> so Travis crankily turned around. Uh, I pictured him acting like a moody teenager. Like, yeah. what? <laughs> um, and Jerry said to him, come on, Trav. Which tooth had a boo-boo? And Travis looked into Jerry's mouth for a second. And then he extended his long finger into Jerry's mouth and touched the restored tooth. And Sandy and Jerry clapped and praised Travis for knowing the correct tooth and saying, that's the one, Travis, that's the one. And Travis's mouth, he was all cranky, and then it curled into kind of like an embarrassed smile. And then he buried his head into Jerry's chest, and his cranky mood had almost completely faded. And then Jerry asked him if he could see his teeth, and Travis did a big toothy smile. And when Jerry asked if he could see his tongue, he stuck out his long tongue and smiled. Oh. Right? So they loved him, and he loved them. They didn't, they didn't mean any harm. And it's like, I, I get it because it's like, you know, anybody would love to be able to experience something like that, but you need to, it's like, it's like for me, I can't, I can't sit here and say that my husband is a logical one in our relationship and he's the one that's like, you know, we can't afford to have another puppy right now. We need to, you know, you need to be able to pay the vet bills, but I would, if he would just let me bring in if you guys were the exact same person you'd have a yeah we would have a house full of puppies that we couldn't afford to have right that would you know yeah in the in the long run it would be a bad decision because i'm i think with my like oh i love puppies so much you know (laughs) but um you need to be you need to be think logically with these kind of things one thousand so you're right 
Um, but yeah, like I said, they weren't educated on this, but they did. They loved him so much and I, they gave him everything. They completely reconstructed their house. Yeah, so that yeah. Could, they, they did what they could. To, it's not like this Connie lady that had them sitting in a, yeah. a cage. Like Travis was I, I dressed. He went out with them. Like he they was, loved him. They yeah, painted I, his I'm picture on the side of their. that they loved this chimp and yeah. that they wanted to give this chimp its best they life. They just didn't right? know. They were And they, they did. Like you think that somebody else could have bought him and done some horrible things to him at least at least he lived the best life he could in the circumstances yeah and like their tow truck company he was like the mascot so he was painted on the side of all of their tow trucks like he was like and he would sit in the tow truck when they would go and like tow cars away he was yeah he was their buddy he was their kid yeah yeah um so in march of 2005 jerry had been feeling off and once at work he really started to go downhill and he asked one of his employees to take him to the hospital it was then that sadly Jerry was diagnosed with an aggressive stomach cancer. Mm-hmm. Now this is when it gets really sad. This, yeah. this part, like it, it made me tear up while I was writing it. Uh, Sandy stayed by Jerry's side in the hospital. And when she would come home to shower and change, Travis would frantically inhale Jerry's scent off of her clothing. Oh. Travis was so confused by his daddy not coming home. Sandy would try regularly to let Travis talk to Jerry on the phone, but he was so confused and would get too upset on the phone calls that she would have to take the phone away. Travis would self-soothe by rocking himself, uh, and he would take down pictures of Jerry off the wall, hold the pictures to his heart, and then he would bring them to his lips and kiss the glass on the photo. So sad. So sad, I know. Uh, Eventually, Sandy had to put away all of the pictures of Jerry because Travis was driving himself mad. On April 12th of 2005, Jerry lost his battle with cancer. After Jerry's death, Sandy became even more reclusive. During Jerry's hospital stay, he had begun to worry about Sandy and Travis alone together. If she fell ill, there would be no one to take care of him. If, so he found out he had cancer. Did he like never get to come home after no, that? He, he was, was in the hospital, hospital for two weeks and died. Time. Yeah. So it, it was really quick. It right? was super so quick. Yeah. He couldn't come home and even try to explain to Travis what was going on. No. And, and he would, his goodbyes. And, like, and he would he would try to talk to him on the phone. But like Travis couldn't understand that it was. Why can't Travis I see couldn't you? go to the yeah. hospital. And but she said him. Sandy said that she would walk in the door and he would like grab onto her clothes and would just be like inhaling her shirt yeah, because he just wanted to smell him. And that's the other thing is that y- you can't like. You can kind of communicate with chimps, but to a certain extent, you right. can't say like, this is what's going on and they understand it. Exactly. It's not like a human where you could, you know, obviously it's traumatic for a kid to go through that too, but like you can't exactly. explain that and, to a chimp. And also they, they, they have this insane strength too. So they're sad and they're angry. They have this crazy strength. Yeah. And that's when things get bad. That's exactly right. Um, so, like I said, during Jerry's hospital stay, he had begun to worry about Sandy and Travis alone together. If she fell ill, there would be no way for her to take care of an adult chimpanzee. They agreed it would be for the best uh, for Travis to go live at a reputable sanctuary. A year after Jerry's death, Sandra wrote a lengthy letter to a chimpanzee sanctuary in Florida. And I'm just going to read you a piece of this because it's, I'll, I'll explain why I want to read it. Uh, she wrote, Needless to say that after 45 years with the most wonderful man in the world, we are both lost without him. Dearly, Travis still waits for him, especially at supper time, because at that time they both had a glass of wine with their supper. And if my husband ever cooked anything, you can bet it had garlic in it. Try having two guys breathing on you on your sleep time. Garlic breath. (laughs) Travis would go to the bedroom window many nights, sit on a bench, uh, look out and get very vocal and happy and then come back to bed. I went to bed and she told me that it was Jerry that would visit, tra- or visit at night and talk to Travis. My husband would always kiss me goodnight. P. 
P.S. Him and Travis kiss alike. That's good, too. Oh, the bottom part there. What? Yeah. No. <laughs> so <laughs> I I have questions, but you know what? I don't know the context in which that was said. It might just be like a kiss on the forehead. Whatever. I don't like that. <laughs> not not a huge fan. Uh, she then goes on about wanting Travis to have a safe and solid home if something were to happen to her as quickly as it had her husband. She then enclosed a check for $250 and sealed the envelope but never sent it. What, what do you think about this letter? Like, what are your thoughts? I don't even know. That just disturbed me a little bit. Like, yeah, first I, I, I did. I found the kissing thing a bit odd, but who knows what she it meant. It sounds like she went a little loopy after losing him, too. Well, so she's it's lost like everyone. You have this crazy chimp and then this crazy woman looking mm-hmm. after a crazy chimp. So it just sounds like it's it's leading up to no what good. it's leading up to basically yeah. so no bueno yeah don't uh, go to that house people secondly i don't think that she had any intentions of ever sending this letter uh the whole first part that i read uh i just felt like that was more something that she needed to get off of her chest because yeah. what, what why does the sanctuary the need to, to know herself, anything about it? Uh, to me it, it was more cathartic than anything it yeah. was something that she just had to get out there yeah 100 percent. she was just writing a letter like a diary exactly almost, you know exactly like, and she probably in her own mind it made her feel better to think she had the intention of sending it yeah but it, it was it had no, nothing to do with him being rehomed yeah yeah um in and around this time of, of jerry's death sandy's friend charlie and her now 12 year old daughter brianna had fallen on hard times again and even landed themselves in a homeless shelter for nearly a year Uh, Through the years, Charlie had met Travis a couple of times, and he had always taken a liking to her daughter. But in every photograph I see of Charlie with Travis, she's smiling, but she looks scared. Um, She looks very unnerved. And at the end of this, I will show you pictures of Charlie with with Travis. I won't show you. Okay, I'm not going to end the story. (laughs) I'm not going to tell you the ending, even though, you know, Uh, to Sandy, the idea of having Charlie and Brianna live in her daughter Sue's old apartment rent free and have extra help with her businesses made perfect sense and for their end it would give charlie and brianna something more permanent it seemed like the perfect arrangement charlie would do the bookkeeping and help take care of travis and inevitably she was basically turning into sandy's assistant but still it was working great for both parties and their friendship was still awesome in 2008 sandy hired a construction company to build an addition to the back of the house that jerry had designed before his death it would give travis a lot more uh, room to play and move and do the things that he liked to do since losing Jerry, though, Travis has never, he never left the house. He sat around, he ate junk food all day long, he watched TV, he was obese, his hair was turning gray, and he was just falling deeper and deeper into a depression. Oh, God. It see, really is, you, you can really, like, connect, like, see how like humans, chimps right? are just 1, like humans, right? Because it's, it's just that 1% that you really have to worry, and the strength, obviously. Right. It's a lot different, so... But so for his anxiety, Sandy had resorted to giving him Xanax. So he was taking uh, Xanax and he was drinking wine. Hmm. So to Good re- combo. Yeah, well, you know, it's not that always the worst well combo for me. Well. <laughs> <laughs> um, so at 13, he was drinking and taking Xanax, which I don't think is good for anyone's brain. But Sandy had even gotten him a support pet, a cat named Misty. She was hoping it would turn his attitude around and for him to have something to take care of, but Travis didn't care. On February 16th of 2009, Sandy said Travis was having, he was particularly bothered by something. He didn't want to partake in any of the things that would normally make him happy. He then took the keys off of the kitchen table and ran outside with them. He was going from car to car. He probably, he wanted to go for a ride. That's how he usually indicated that he wanted to go for a drive. 
But Sandy had plans with a friend and she was getting ready. Uh, and she was on the phone with Charlie. So she had asked Charlie if she could please go outside and try to coax Travis back into the house. Mm. Charlie had recently dyed her hair red, which was a big difference from the dirty blonde hair that Travis knew her to have. She was also driving a different car uh, than she normally did. It's unclear if any of these things contributed to what followed, um, but it, it's clearly worth mentioning. As Charlie exited the unfamiliar vehicle, she held up a Tickle Me Elmo in front of her face and made the toy make a noise that would get Travis's attention. This was his favorite toy, and it, it had calmed him down in the past. Suddenly, Travis charged at Charlie, barreling towards her on all fours, rising to his feet at the last minute, and with all of his strength, smashed her body into the car. She was pleading with him to stop and saying, Travis, it's me, Sharla. It's, it was no use. I'm going to stop here for a second. Uh, the next few paragraphs are some of the goriest stuff I've ever read in my life. Um, Trigger warning. If that's something that you need to skip, please skip ahead a few minutes. Uh, Travis began by ripping off her eyelids and taking chunks of her face and hands clear off with his teeth. Hearing the commotion, Sandy ran outside with a metal shovel and began hitting Travis as hard as she could. But he, was, he wasn't feeling it. He was just so into this attack uh, and brutalizing poor Charla. She ran inside and grabbed a butcher knife from a knife block in the kitchen. She came back out and stabbed him three times in the back. Sandy said he looked back at her and made direct eye contact, and she felt as if he was saying, what did you do, Mom? Oh my God, but he turned my back around on Charlie. Sandy ran to her car and called 911. And if you want, you can look up this 911 call. It is the most frantic, frustrating call I've ever heard. It lasted 12 minutes. Imagine 12 minutes of him doing this to her. And the 911 operators just... Sometimes I find they're so almost dismissive. Like... And this one in particular, I just feel like if you at the beginning of a 911 call say, yeah, okay, you know what? I'm going to get some details from you. They are on their way. That would eliminate so much of these people being like, please get them here. Please get yeah. them here. Please get them here. Isn't that like you say somebody's getting brutally attacked by a chimp. You're okay. He's going, okay. They're on their way. Let me get some details now. She's but. screaming and he's going, your friends, what? Your, your monkey's doing what? Like... You just need to say they're on their way and then get the details. And then because, get the details. Because all they're thinking is like, I'm trying to give this person details, but all I want to know is that somebody's coming here to help me right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Once you hear they're on your way, okay. Yeah, then, then we we'll can... get the details out. Yeah. No problem. But um, it took 12 minutes and the entire time you can hear Travis screaming in the background. Oh, um, Frank Chiafari was the responding officer. Frank was working a 3 p.m. to 11 p.m. shift. Uh, this attack happened about 3.40, so it was like one hell of a way to just ease yourself into a shift. Uh, nothing could have prepared him for what he was going to see. He instantly saw Charlie's uh, mutilated, lifeless body lying with fingers and chunks of hair and flesh lying all around the yard. Oh, my God. Travis oh. spotted the police car, and he made his way over. He nonchalantly just knocked the driver's side mirror right off and walked around to the other side of the cruiser. Uh, Officer Shafari... No doubt, in absolute shock, didn't have the reaction time to lock the door. Probably wouldn't have made a big difference either way. If Travis wanted he to get in that car, he was getting in that car. Off, right? Yeah. So uh, Travis opened the door and he stuck his head into the cop cruiser. Uh, he had clumps of flesh still in his teeth and was absolutely drenched in blood. Mm. It's like sounds it's like, like the beginning of the your movie. movie. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, the officer had already called in a code three, which basically means this is bad. Get here. Yeah. 
Uh, so he knew backup was coming, but as it was, his face was two feet away from a chimpanzee who had literally just torn a human being from limb to limb. This is where they got the movie scene from, 100%. You think so? I knew this whole story. And it's more compelling when it's a kid, too, so that's why. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Officer Chiafari said that if Travis wanted to kill him in that moment, he could have, because for a few seconds, his fight, flight, or freeze was locked on freeze. But as their eyes locked, the officer said that he could feel what Travis's eyes were saying. He looked at him pleadingly and without words said, please, please do this. Please put me out of my misery. And with that, the man in blue, who Travis had admired so much growing up, reached for his gun and shot Travis four times. Oh, my God. He growled, stumbled backwards, and ran inside of his home to his bedroom. And it was there that he laid down and died. Travis was 14 when he died. The officer said he walked over to the carnage where Sharla was, and to his utter amazement, what used to be a hand reached for his leg. Sharla had survived the attack, and what was more was that she was conscious. Oh my God. <laughs> like... He had, she, he had broken just about every single bone in her face. She had no jaw, nose, lips, or eyelids. He had taken one hand clean off of her arm and removed most of her scalp. This is the scariest story I've ever heard in my life. Like it's <laughs> Naturally, Sandy was inconsolable. She had sat a stuffed chimp in Travis's room on his favorite chair, uh, and she refused to clean up the blood in his room. She was so hurt by accusations that she loved Travis more than Charla, to which she said, I stabbed my own son. Yeah. Sandy had also gone, oh, this is terrible, Haley. You're not going to like this part. Uh, Sandy had also gone to the crematorium to drop off Travis's favorite shirt. It was like a tie-dye shirt that he loved so that it could go with him. And when she walked in, her beloved companion's head was on a medical table. They were trying to research Travis's brain, so they had decapitated him. But uh, what, how much more could this woman possibly take? <laughs> You're going to cry, aren't you? <laughs> this is the only time. <laughs> take a drink of your White Claw. You're going to need it. Um... A year later, in 2007, Sandy was having chest pain. Ch- sorry, chest pains. Her friend drove her to the hospital, and as it turned out, Sandy had a bulging aorta. You know what that is, right? The aorta is the uh, main artery that carries blood away from your heart to the rest of your body. Uh, at the hospital, as the hospital was setting up for emergency surgery, Sandy's aorta burst, filling her lungs with blood, and Sandy died literally of a broken heart. Oh my God! I know. I'm sorry. Um. She was buried in a casket. On one side of her, she held the cremated remains of her daughter, Sue, and on the other side was Travis. For her part, Sharla Nash had a long, painful road ahead of her. In November of 2009, Charlie made an appearance on the Oprah Winfrey show. This was nine months after the attack. This was when 56-year-old Charla uh, revealed her face for the first time after the attack. She said her reason for always wearing a hat and scarf and a veil covering her face was firstly, because she didn't want to scare people, but second, Charlotte was being stalked by the media. Everyone wanted to get a picture of what Travis had done to her. There was big money in being the first to produce a picture of this poor woman. So she made the decision to go on Oprah and therefore take back a bit of her power and by doing it on her own terms. Yeah. And she no longer wanted to hide. Like, people have no hearts, you know? It's no. like, this woman's been through enough. Leave her alone. And paparazzi's ruthless. Yeah, pa- paparazzi. Like, but it's like celebrities and stuff. You know, it, it, it's like it's kind of to be expected with your role. But this woman was just 
her only draw to it was that she went through something traumatic and now you're going to make it even more traumatic. For exactly. Her, like. mm-hmm. um, I'll show you pictures at the end if you want to see it. Have you, have you looked up pictures of Charlotte after the accident? Yeah. Uh, not accident. Because but. I'm a little traumatized. Yeah. So I won't show you the pictures. Then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, after Oprah helped her remove her hat and veil, she then said a couple of things that shocked me. Uh, yeah. I Did you watch uh, the Oprah one? I watched bits of it and I was just kind of like to me cold. I always felt like a little cold you know she like, was always very like woke like you know yeah. but when I watched it back she I quoted her a couple times it's she says it's shocking I'm not sure what people will say you can see the destruction and she said they were able to create a mouth <laughs> she also said after a while I get accustomed to looking at your face <laughs> like that's what wow. everyone wants to hear. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I, I wrote, dial it back a bit, Oprah. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I, I think she's trying a little bit too hard to be comfy with the whole thing, you know? It doesn't sound like it. It yeah. doesn't sound like she's but comfy no, at all. And, and that's why I, I think in her mind, it's like she's trying to show that, like, you know, she's not going to sugarcoat stuff. And in some way, that's supposed to be comforting to to Charlotte, but it's like for me it's like you know i, I have a you heart know what and, have a heart to the person that's sitting beside you i don't care if you're for dramatic value trying to show us something yeah you know what i mean this woman first of all she's permanently blind she has no idea what she even looks like yeah and to say i i get accustomed to your face after a, a little bit like yeah okay you know if you even woke up for a second feeling good about yourself that was taken away exactly exactly but um Charlotte would go on to have her first, the first ever face transplant and double hand transplant from the same donor. Uh, it was done at Boston Brigham and Women's Hospital. Sadly, the hand transplants were rejected both left and right, but with the proper anti-rejection medication, Charlotte w- was able to keep her face. She was later able to gain a little bit more independence when she received a prosthetic arm, which helped her do a lot more by herself. She is, however, permanently blind. Uh, she has eyes, but they're for aesthetics only. She does have helpers throughout the week, but is all alone on weekends. Charla dreams one day to ride a horse again, and she's convinced that she will be able to. And truthfully, Aww. if there's anyone in the world that can do it, it's her. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Honestly, like I would. I. She sounds like the strongest person I've ever insane. heard of. Yeah, because it's like I conscious during the entire thing too. Yeah, like, yeah. And I, like I said, I kind of looked into some stuff on my own uh-huh. and the, it, it's very inspiring to see somebody that's gone through what she's been through and how like positive of a person And did you see is. like, did you see her before pictures? Yeah. She just looks like the nicest person. She like does. She's got one of those faces she that's does. just so warm. She, it, it takes somebody very strong to, to come out with such a positive attitude. Absolutely. You know? Like, um, it says Charlotte has an amazing sense of humor and when people tell her that she looks great she'll respond with well I've had a little work done (laughs) (laughs) that's good Uh, I like that Uh, Charlotte originally sued Sandy for nearly 50 million dollars but Sandy passed away before there could be any ruling on that she then tried to sue Connecticut for 150 million for negligence which was denied The, the woman's medical and legal bills are astronomical okay wait i'm sure that you've mentioned it but the person that with the sanctuary connie yeah she's is she, she got shut down Not, no she's just living her life she's just doing her thing yeah oh, okay that's that's the person you should be going well, after as far i as agree I'm i agree yeah 
yeah. This woman got away with with way too much. And yeah, like, like Sandy is like she took this. She took Travis in, and like is she, she loved still alive somewhere? Because I kind of Connie, wanna, yeah. you, can, like, you should look her up. I am gonna look her up. I, I'll go go have some words with her. <laughs> you better after this. I'm holding you to it. I'm not actually gonna do that. There's too much going on right now, but like I want to. You're pretty busy. I mean, when Peyton's <laughs> if a I had older. the financial and time, I would find this woman. For um, sure. So Charla ended up receiving $4 million from Sandy's estate. Uh, and sadly, that just barely covered her medical and legal bills. Now Charla is a public speaker who discusses the dangers of owning wild animals. And that's it. That's uh, Travis the Chimp story. And sadly, there's no real winners here. Uh, a bunch of people who weren't evil, a wild animal who wasn't evil, and just devastation all around. Yeah. So that is, I think, probably the worst story I'll ever tell you as an individual. As an individual, yeah. yeah. That actually brought tears to my eyes. I'm so, so sorry. It's, it's, it's a hard one. And it's probably a good time to end because I don't know if the mic's picking up the fact that my baby's not happy right now. Yeah, baby's <laughs> crying. My baby is mine. Okay, let's go take care of your baby. So we're going to take a little break. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> or just end the show. Yeah, or just, you know. Okay, yeah, let's thanks. Let's just call uh, it quits here. We'll see you on the next one. Bye. Yeah, bye.